your area. How is the economy treating you? As you might have heard, the federal government has approved 5 billion naira for each state. There are 36 states in Nigeria. Five, uh, each of them will get 5 billion naira and the FCT to enable them to procure food items for distribution to the poor in the respective states. Do you think the palliatives going to the 36 states and the FCT will reach your doorstep? Is the Tinubu administration moving at a pace you expected? The president has assigned portfolios to the ministerial appointees. Clearly, there are expectations. But first, are those round pegs in round holes? Let's talk and find some answers. As usual, I won't do this alone. Um, I've taken some time off uh, on uh, uh, my uh, usual television uh, program, Politics City and Sunday Politics and Ch uh, Channel Television, uh, for some uh, personal reasons, uh, but we will be back very soon. So, but on these uh, podcasts, we'll get the microphone on and we'll get the conversation going. I won't be doing the conversation uh, all by myself tonight. I'm being joined by very experienced journalist who has practiced several, uh, for several years here in Nigeria and will reside now in the in Germany, Messi Abanga. He joins us live uh, on the podcast. Thank you so much, Messi, and it's good to see you. Thank you, Sean. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. Um, I think we should begin. Uh, I understand now that... Uh, the ministers are already um, getting accreditation done because on Monday they will now officially be inaugurated and their very first day in office will be on that Monday. In the first place, what do you make of uh, the ministers, the portfolios? We now know their portfolios, isn't it? So what do you make of that? Let's, let's begin the conversation from there. First, I think it's a very large cabinet um, in, uh, in our history, um, especially at a time where uh, um, Nigeria and a lot of Nigerians are dealing with um, high inflation rates. As a matter of fact, our inflation rose to 22.79% in June from 22.41, according to the National Bureau of Statistics, that the stakes are really high. Nigerian unemployment rates uh, had also, has also increased uh, from 35%. Now we're talking about 40%. So when you're having an overbloated, um, so to say, cabinet at a time where we should be cutting costs and we haven't seen that at the at the federal level, I think it's, it costs for um, concern on my part because I understand that Nigerians are really suffering. My family members are really suffering especially the ones that are there and like i speak to every day um inflation is not helpful so when we have this number of of people being appointed and in addition to 20 special advisors um i think it's a lot because we're not dealing with cost of, uh, cutting cost of government uh, governance yet now back to the main core of their portfolio and their resume I would give it, I would, I, I, I probably my ratings would be, would not be so good. But also, I understand the point of, you know, trying to appease, victimize those who saw to, um, that worked during the elections. Paid more attention to these people 
rather than making it perhaps a 60-40 mix of both technocrats and the politicians. The politicians had more in had more were more were more prominent in the list that has been announced so far. And I don't know what his approach would be within the next two years if he's going to set a benchmark for them and say, okay, we've given you this position now that you worked for us to get to this point. You have to get to work and we're giving you a very short period of time to deliver. Perhaps that would be an effective. But if we're going to look at what the former president, Muhammad Buhari, did, some ministers sat down there for eight years, right? So I think the stakes are really high and Nigerians are not patient any longer. And I, I hope the president understands and acknowledges that and also show, gets to show, you know, that with the, the commitment he's going to be having or going, the deal he's going to be having with uh, his, his ministers and perhaps reading riot acts to, the, to them and letting them know that while, you know, I wouldn't say that he should, he should keep them on the edge, he should give them the freedom to work and to deliver. And um, they should work with the speed of light. But I am not so, I mean... I am not so enthusiastic. It's not. It wasn't an exciting list. It was more of a giving back to um, political um, 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 friends and those who lost uh, um, elections and um, trying to appease to his political class and, you know, pandering to them in a way. And I think that's what majority of the list is about. Um, we had a, we have a, a bit of. Uh, I mean, five names I probably can call. Uh, that I think really stand out. Look at Ali Pate, for instance, who is uh, um, uh, one of uh, the biggest and one of the brightest uh, in our country and someone I probably can call, you know, good news from Nigeria. Uh, we also have Bosun Tijani there, someone who is also a technocrat. We've seen what he did with CC Hop, and I'm happy about the ministry he was assigned. I mean, largely so. I'm sure we all expected that. We have Yusuf Tuga, who is there, who is who was uh, or is still the Nigerian ambassador to to Germany. So he's he's a field that he's very familiar with. Though he's also a politician, but he's also someone who has that balance of both politics and you know uh, being a technocrat within the diplomatic community and i see a few other names there like um, wali edun uh, who is going to be coordinating minister uh and you know and and so forth but i just at this point i think we just keep our fingers crossed and hope that they surprise us the problem with that is that politicians get into office and they start thinking of the next election cycle and that influences all their actions and decisions moving forward which is what worries me Oh, wow. Uh, I, I was going to try to see uh, if we can bring uh, Mr. Inebe F. Young. Uh, I don't know if he's with us now. Um, a lawyer. and yeah. Fantastic. Uh, it's good to have you on the podcast this evening. Thank you so much indeed. How is Lagos today? It's raining in Abuja, by the way. And I just, so the street of uh, X, of Twitter, is always very funny. I, was, I mean, I saw someone tweeting to say, um, this rain... Uh, this uh, period we caused a population boom. I hope that you guys are having a wonderful uh, weather in Lagos because uh, as we're discussing the Tinubu era in Nigeria, uh, I don't know how it feels with you. Let me get your view. We started having a conversation with Mercy on uh, the caliber of the of the persons that are going to be in Bala Tinubu's cabinet. Uh, what's your view about the portfolio assigned to them are you disappointed from your own point of view? Is it a movement forward or backwards? 
thank you, Shemu, for having me and for putting this conversation together. Uh, am I disappointed? Uh, one will only be disappointed if one had expectations or reasonable expectations that Tudubu uh, was going to take a different direction. I I had known of an issue based on his antecedents and based on the political uh, structure in court or platform uh, under which his candidacy was rooted. It would be um, too much of an expectation or too much of optimism for anyone who had lived in Nigeria in the last um, eight years plus to have expected that Tunubu would come in and then would approach governance with a different uh, perspective, with a fundamentally uh, distinct uh, disposition. I, I well, uh, the capture really, you know, he, he approached governance with a, a fist of the hand. He's, he has always projected himself as the strong man of Lagos, as a man that nothing would happen within the state without his uh, uh, consent or, or without him having to give a go ahead to it. So, when you have somebody with that kind of political ideology, you know, spearheading the affairs of a country, you wouldn't expect that he would come in and then would act differently. Now, if you look at the measures he has taken so far, um, there are two ways to look at it. One is the unwillingness to do things differently. The second is the theatrics, or, or what looks like uh, an attempt at some uh, economic reforms. Whether those economic reforms are, are positive, whether they have been helpful, whether they have been productive, I think most Nigerians can reasonably have reached a consensus that so far the policies, economic policies he has pursued, uh, have not really brought about any serious or radical uh, transformation or betterment in the lives of the people. Now, in terms of unwillingness to do things differently, it is quite unfortunate that in this country we have people in political positions who do not appreciate the urgency of now. That, for me, summarizes what Unibu has done um, in the last few weeks that, uh, you know, he, he has been calling the shots, if I should use that expression. Look at how long it took him. Look at the cabinet. How long it took him to constitute a cabinet of technocrats, in quotes. Right? So one would have thought by the time the ministerial list comes out, we would see names or individuals, at least substantially, that uh, have not been part of the rots of the past or the decadence of the past. But what did we see? The bulk of the names are basically people who were appointed solely for political patronage as sort of some sort of compensation. You have about eight former governors in a cabinet that wants to transform a country. 
These are former governors that are in their states. They cannot account for the money that were under their control in their states. Nobody can say that they did anything exceptional. Some of them have ongoing corruption cases. Right? You even have a man who has been shown to have helped Abacha to loot money. Still appointed a minister. Right? So when you have, like, you know, I, I, I had cause to say that when the ministerial came out, list came out, that for me, this was Tunubu's uh, announcement to the nation that he, he was organizing a, a carnival for thieves. And people say, oh, that is a controversial statement. I said, well, look at the antecedents of these individuals. Right? Why would you appoint people that are known to be facing active, ongoing corruption investigation and people with so much baggage into a cabinet at a time that the nation is in crisis, at a time of economic peril, at a time that inflation has gone or has just a devastating blow to the nation, at a time of political instability, at a time that people are looking for national healing. And then you bring in the same people. Right? I, for one, don't see why anyone that says he wants to transform a country will bring in about eight former governors into a cabinet. But what, what is that about? And then what is the old 48 names about? What do we need 48 ministers for? To do what exactly? Where is the money to run them? Where is the money to sustain that bureaucracy? So you, you're asking Nigerians to make sacrifices to make adjustments because of the difficulties that the horrendous economic policies, neoliberal policies of the APC has plagued our country since Buhari took over in 2015. You're asking us to make sacrifices. But what sacrifices have you made? What are the changes that we have seen? Nothing. So it is still the same pattern. And then beyond the cabinet in terms of human rights and law and, and rule of law compliance yes MFLA, yes Bauer may have issues may have legitimate cases to answer to but you see the question is always this will you use an illegal means to fight illegality can you use an unconstitutional means to fight legal infractions we saw under the Buhari regime, the SSS invaded courts, invaded courts, blatantly disobeyed court, or, court orders. One would have thought that because, oh, they said Tunubu was once a pro-democracy crusader. He was in Nadeko and so on. They said he's a Democrat, right? He used to be in the opposition. He used to oppose the PDP. And then you come in, while, of course, the petition against your declaration by INEC is ongoing, even if it was a question of goodwill, is the last person who, on Honda's watch, we should see such lawlessness. And you have this same agency, lawless agency, invade the courts, disobey court order. And what, what does that speak? Does that give confidence to investors? 
Look at the value of the Naira. Let's look at the economy again. Look at the value of the Naira. It is almost getting to a thousand. Sometimes it will like it will shift to eight hundred and something, back to nine hundred and something. So it has been a sustained tragedy of failure, trajectory of failure. We have seen a sustained trajectory of failure since Tinubu takeover. I haven't seen anything that he has done so far that is spectacular. Whether in terms of management, even in terms of communication. How many times have we even come out to speak to Nigerians so far? Right? People say, give him the benefit of doubt. The time is not there. Which is why I started by saying that these people simply do not appreciate the urgency of now. And then he started, the first policy statement he made, significant policy statement he made, was that subsidy was gone. Immediately he made that declaration at the, at the swearing-in in Abuja. All of us saw the reaction in the market. We saw the reaction in the country. Marketers started hoarding petroleum products. The price skyrocketed. At the time Tinubu made that proclamation, please note, the budget for subsidy was still in existence. It had not expired. So there was simply no policy intelligence. There was simply no mechanisms put in place. It wasn't touched through. And then he came in. They said, oh, we have removed subsidy. Forces of demand and supply will now determine the cost of fuel, PMS, right? Is that really true? Because technically, in some sense, the government is still regulating the price of petrol. That is the truth of the matter. It is still being, in some shape, regulated. So if the argument about removal of subsidy is that let the forces of demand and supply determine how much a liter of fuel should cost, then it, the forces of demand and supply should determine it. But NPC still has a say. Let's be honest with ourselves. So, so calculate for us, Mr. I mean, I'm not very good with mathematics. Uh, my math mm. teacher thinks that I'm a... Uh, I'm a hopeless student when it comes to numbers, and I mean, uh, there are other things that I'm good at. So, five billion, for example, in Lagos, if it's to be shared amongst how many people are in Lagos, for example, how many million? If you say, if you say twenty million, and if you say even fifteen million people, we need fifteen million people. Let's even let's even be conservative. Let's say household. Let's say ten million. People. Let's say ten million people we need it. So let's say ten million people in Lagos to share five billion. How much will go to one person, for example? So that's five, that's I think that's just five hundred naira. That's five hundred naira. Yes, now because yeah, because a million is five thousand. If you give a million naira, a million people five thousand. That's five billion. That's just mathematics. Now, if you give ten thousand, ten million, uh, five billion. That's because you give each of them, you know, five hundred naira. It's as simple as that. It's not. <laughs> it's simple mathematics. Uh, so let, let's be frank. Does the sharing of the five billion make sense at all? That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm saying that if we want to provide a social framework, a social protection framework, let's be talking about a systematic way. Because see, if we check a budget of the UK budget or the US budget, apart from defense and apart from health, 
the biggest budget, the biggest line in the budget is always social welfare. Because it's the whole purpose of government, security and welfare of the people. So in the US, Medicare, which is a social protection program, and social security are the biggest you know, um, components of the budget, apart from defense. So if Nigeria wants to run a social protection, which we don't have the capacity to do at this at, at those sizes, but let's just do it in a proper and a structured way. Because by the time you do it in the way we are having it, it is too fragmented. It will not. It will not be holistic. And that's why I said let people who are because we have even seen this analysis to say you give five billion to a state like Lagos, you give five billion to someone also in Kano. I mean. Population, they might be, be on the same level, but do they have the same number of poor people? Let's be honest with ourselves. No. So, I mean, and we give the same five billion to in a point, you know, less population, technically less poor people. So if we are not systematic with this whole thing, we would just not be able to move anything forward. And then we should, we should and we have been on this show before, show. We said, let's focus on things that matter. Let's focus on food inflation. Those are things that will change significant, make them significant. Let's focus on urban mass transit systems or even inter intercity mass transit systems that are cheaper and affordable for people as alternatives. Let's focus on them. Let's focus on minimum wage. You know, let's focus on backlog of pension and gratuities that have not been paid. Those are the yeah. things that ease the economy, that change the local economy in a significant way. I, I see Dr. Um, Alpi Gale. At, at Dr. R.P. Gale on Twitter. So, sorry, please make your intervention uh, very succinct so that we can have uh, more, I mean, some more people to weigh in. Uh, yeah, thank you so much, uh, Sharon, for allowing me to speak. Uh, although I'm based in the UK, but originally I'm from Nasara State in Nigeria, which I'm very sure you're familiar with. So allow me to say an adage in Hausa, but I'm going to repeat it in English. So we anche anabuchi agidonku, kareyachi ngani akasa. Meaning they were asked, they were telling a dog that there's a, a, a ceremony or a banquet going on in their houses. And then the dog said he wants to see it on the ground. Your question is if we're moving forward or backward. Another adage again in Hausa is, meaning a Friday that will be good at least by Wednesday, you should be able to have idea if that Friday, which is Jumaat, is going to be good. The simple answer is people are going backward. Adebisi is very, very good in his submission in order to defend the government. But the truth is, even in the Western world that you're citing example, they have what we call Office of the National Statistics, just like the other lady was submitting. If you said you're going to release money as a palliative to help the less privileged. It's a very, very good policy. However, how are you going to share the money? Who are the beneficiaries of this money? How can we know that, okay, this money has gone to the right people that are supposed to get this money? These are the questions that a reasonable and sensible government is supposed to sit back and ask first before releasing the money. You cannot release money without knowing the actual benefit beneficiaries and then you just release money and then you're expecting people that hid indomie during COVID-19 people that hit Paris club funds and you're expecting them to release five thousand uh, uh, five billion uh, uh, five billion to the people and the bags of rice the other lady like I said in one of my comments in the jungle Tron, if you can please tag her I want to follow her she sounds very very intelligent and her submission is she summarizes everything if you see what I mean 
these people refuse to give people indomie and now you're giving them five billion and rice so basically what you're saying is take this money give your supporters and party members because if they are going to share this thing according to state according to local government or what the only people they are going to contact are going to be their party agent in all this electoral world they are not doing this thing because they want to help the people but they are doing this so that they buy the favor of these people in the next coming election like uh, the barrister uh, f young said so my conclusion is to be honest with you people are going backward and if you ask me for solution because it's not good for you to just talk about the problems. You have to provide solutions. As a researcher, I will tell you that, for example, in the UK, when we had this uh, economic meltdown in the UK, what the government did was to reduce the cost of transportation, and then government are paying that subsidy. So if anybody tells you that there is no subsidy in the Western world, the person is lying. For mm -hmm. example, the buses now, where you're supposed to go and earn a very good day for four pounds, they reduce everything to two pounds, wherever you're going, two pounds. So what I expected the government to do is, when you said there is no more subsidy, initially you were paying subsidy. So where that money was coming from, you now say, okay, we're not going to give this money to these marketers. So that is to say the money is somewhere. Where is the money? Mm. And if the money is somewhere, you are supposed to now use the money to maybe talk with uh, Innocent Motors or some of these uh, uh, companies that can supply mass transport or mass transit especially in Lagos, in Kano, in Abuja, where you have workers that need to go to the office, they can't even afford transportation. You have to have some of this mass transit so that people can now pay a subsidized rate to go to work. Mm -hmm. Then you now increase a, a minimum wage of this staff. Right. When you increase minimum wage of some people, yeah. they are going to now pay people in their own household. Yeah. With that, the economy will be moving. But you just you just release money without having statistics and you are expecting us to clap for you. It's not good. Thank you right. so much. Thank you so much. We need to wrap up and go now. Uh, so uh, uh, there was a question I wanted to react to. He's a fact that is a good omen for the president to become the petroleum minister. It looks like that may happen. I feel that the president had a lot on his plate to the Minister of Petroleum. Why is our obsession with petroleum? Why is he not Minister of Education? Why is he not Minister of Power? You know, what is it about petroleum? You know, that everybody wants to sit in. I don't I don't see it. Two professionals there. Put this, you, have a, you have a petroleum industry act that you just signed. He has all the laws, he has all the institutions. NNPC has something. So focus on that and let these professionals and people of integrity drive it. But this idea that everything around petroleum has to send out the presidency is given, gives you the old military mentality that we have not snapped out of. You know, because we've seen that that is the golden goose. And of which you know that that golden goose is no longer golden. I mean, we barely produce 1.2 million barrels per day now. So in some sort of way, what exactly is the whole benefit of that? I don't like it. I feel like we create this um, extra attention on oil, and which is the bane of our problem that we have lost interest in almost every productive sector of the economy. Um, I don't like it. I feel that the, the same way where Yaradu had really one look, man, where, I mean, unfortunately, Jonathan had a much more worse, worse, worse uh, minister in that situation. But I feel get a moment of integrity to man in that position. Someone has a clear vision about where our hydrocarbon industry should look like next 10 to 20 years. Yeah. Um, let's go now. Mercy, a final word from you quickly so that we can close. The stakes are high and um, there's no time to play around and I wish the new ministers can get to work and the president takes every action for the benefit of the Nigerian people. Thank you, Shemu, for yeah. having me. Mr. Efyang, a final one. 
We wait and see. Just wait and see. Waiting game. <laughs> we wait and see. No surprises so far. We wait and see. Ah, what 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 a moment is being having conversations with this gentleman and lady, Shawnik Binde and Mr. F. Young, uh, lawyer and right activist, uh, Mercy Abang, who is being with us virtually from Germany. Thank you so much for your time on this podcast today. And, and I hope that our effort in trying to push a narrative that will take our nation to the next level, I hope uh, we are uh, able to get some thoughts and insight and think deeper into how this country can move forward. It was a time when the leader's body language was the talk of the town. We later found out that body language is not enough in the school of governance. Today, we've also heard that the initial moves of the president, especially when he signed some bills to law, were good signs of a government. That means business. Obviously, the early good signs are not also enough. There is a lack of accountability and mistrust issues hanging over the social welfare initiatives. Nigerians want to know what the sharing formula will be. The best way to capture the current situation in local parlance is Nigerians have seen Shiggy. The box stops at the desk of those who ask for the job to get the country out of this situation and move us forward. Thank you everyone for being part of this conversation. I'm Sean Wakimalo. I'll see you next time. And that's been MyCon Podcast for the Independent Mind. Thank you for joining us on this edition of MyCon Podcast with Shayono Kimbaloi.